Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits, and I'm bringing it to you real and unfiltered. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope everybody is hanging in there and doing well during this crazy time. I have been taking advantage of this time, as many of you know, by launching some new branches of The Blonde Files, including a newsletter every Friday almost daily blog posts and a charitable initiative, The Blonde Files Helps, which will be up and running soon. And then of course, the big one that's taking over my life, school. So I've been staying super busy and I feel really lucky to be in the position I'm in as I know there are just unimaginable numbers of people who are now without jobs and sick or lost loved ones. And it's just a really terrible situation. So if you or someone you know needs help, you can submit your or their story to help at theblondefiles.com and we will try to feature you on The Blonde Files Helps when it gets up and running. Okay, so my guest today is the ray of light that is Sophie Jaffe, the OG wellness mama. She's a podcaster, a blogger, an influencer, founder of the superfood company Philosophy. She shares insights on how to live a life full of unbounded energy, bliss, and balance. And you guys, she has been through it and she's done the work. I was super interested in her relationship with her husband, Dr. Adi Jaffe, who is an addiction expert and who has had his own struggles with drugs and sex, as Sophie will talk about in this episode. So it's really fascinating to hear how they went through their issues and worked through them rather than cutting and running, which I think a lot of people would have done, myself included. We also talk all things wellness, of course, and how to get the most out of life. So please enjoy Sophie Jaffe. Okay, so welcome to the show. (laughs) Yes, we did it. We did it. It just took us 20 minutes for the listeners to to know we (laughs) were having some technical difficulties, but we made it work. Yep. We're here now. (laughs) I just want to start off by asking, how the heck are you doing over there? You have 
a full house, three kids, everyone's stuck at home, your husband and you both work. And just what is life looking like for you guys right now? Yeah. I mean, thank you for asking. It's not bad. I would say it's not bad. We're doing the best we can. I'm a very positive, optimistic person. And for the most part on most days, that's where I am. Um, I'd say it's still, you know, even though like we have a live in nanny with us and we have an amazing home we moved into six months ago with a pool and a backyard and a beautiful neighborhood up in the hills. We feel safe, taken care of. We have nourishing, beautiful food. So there's so much to be grateful for. And even with all of that, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to stay in a positive mindset. The kids are like, we want to actually see our friends. We don't want to do a Zoom play date. You know, they're doing Zoom for school, which is weird. They're in first and third grade. Like it's just an adjustment. And Every day, the challenge for me, because I am the center to all of it, I'm, you know, I'm the mama hen, I'm the head of everything, I'm kind of like the the strongest personality, I'm kind of the manager of the home. So because of all that, like, if I'm off, then everyone else feels it, and then they're off. So it's a lot of pressure, but also that keeps me going. It allows me to remember that if I don't do the things to take care of myself, my own mental wellness, my own well-being, then everyone else falls apart too. So although it's pressure, it's like good pressure in many ways because it it forces me to keep showing up and being the best version of myself for me, but also for everybody else. Yeah. And that was like one of the main questions that I really wanted to ask you. And that a lot of people on Instagram wanted to ask you is how do you find the time? How do you make time for yourself before this, but especially now with so much going on and with the kids and everything? I think honestly, there's, it's a non-negotiable. So the same way that someone maybe with like a health concern or something where they have a compromised immune system they don't have, it's a non-negotiable that they have to be washing their hands a lot, that they're not going to the store, that they're not around people that are maybe COVID, you know, carriers or in that same way where they don't have a choice. Like to me, that seems crazy to not do those things, but I'm not, I don't have a compromised immune system. For me, it's that level of importance where there, it is a non-negotiable. As I said, if mom falls apart, if Sophie's not like on her A game and super, you know, and that doesn't mean that I'm always happy. That doesn't mean that I'm always thriving. It just means that I'm taking care of myself and I'm being honest about my needs and what I need from each person, but mostly like what I need for myself. And that means time alone. And even if it's 30 minutes a day, which these days is more of the reality, I have to get that or I lose it. And even my nanny now has learned she moved in a week before COVID, which is so crazy. She drove her car across the country from Ohio. She had a total different expectation of what this life was going to be like in LA. And now she's living here with us and she's doing an amazing job and everyone's working so well together. But even she has learned because she's also followed me for so long and she knows, she knows me really that I walk the walk. She's like, are you feeling supported yesterday at like 3 PM? She's like, are you feeling supported right now? And I was like, well, I'm actually like feeling like I'm on the verge of tears because there's so much going, it was like a lot going on in the moment. And she said, why don't you just go take a nap? And I mean, even my husband doesn't really say that. (laughs) And I was like, I started to make up an excuse for why I couldn't. And then I was like, okay, I guess I will. I, and we had an earthquake two nights ago and it was right under our house. And it really threw me off and made me feel ungrounded. And 
that was part of it as it happened in the middle of sleep and it threw me off. And so I wasn't sleeping well. And then I was overwhelmed by all my work things and courses and demands. And she looked at me and was like, why don't you go take a nap? And I had nothing to say because she could hold down the fort. And I walked into my room and I took a nap in the middle of the afternoon. And the point of all this is no matter what is thrown your way, whether it be an earthquake, COVID, three kids, four businesses, no matter what it is, you have to ask for what you need and be honest about that without any shame or guilt. Like I struggled in that moment. I almost tried to make up an excuse to say why I couldn't not to be a martyr, but just because it's like, it is easy to get stuck in. I'm the only one that can do everything, but Mm -hmm. we all need help. No matter what level it's at, we all need to ask for help. We all need to have expressed needs of what it is that we're needing in that moment, no matter what it is, we all are here to support each other. So whether it's your online community, it's your people in your regular community and real real face-to-face time, whether it's people living in your home, your loved ones, your family members, we have to ask for help. Now, that doesn't mean that you're always gonna get it, but at least if you express it, it doesn't keep getting pushed down, which I think is really where disease starts is when we're not asking for what we need. We just push our needs and our wants and our desires and our stresses down, 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 instead of speaking them out into reality. Yeah, totally. And then they can turn into resentments and you have expectations that aren't being met because you're not being um, upfront about everything, right? And it's like that, that lack of communication can just totally manifest in so many different ways. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. I want to get like a brief history of your relationship with your husband. I'm so fascinated by this because um, I know that he's had issues with addiction in the past and you guys have been through like this kind of roller coaster (laughs) of a journey, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just want to, if you don't mind, like have you tell the listeners a little bit about it and then kind of get into a little bit of that too. Absolutely. So my husband, Adi, and I met He's Israeli, Adi, like the first half of Adidas. Um, he and I met. He had to tell me that, by the way, when we first met, because I kept <laughs> calling him all these things or being like, hey, you. He's like, you have to get to know my name. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we met when I was 20, which was now going to be 16 years ago. We met at UCLA. He was in his graduate program, the first semester of graduate program at UCLA to study neuroscience and addiction. And I transferred in from a different college and it was my junior year, but it was my first semester there at UCLA. So we took the same undergrad neuroscience class and he was in my lecture and we found each other right away. We started flirting and connecting and we both like wrote to our friends and said we thought the other person was hot. And I was actually in a long-term relationship at the time with a very toxic not great relationship um, from 15 to 20 that lasted way too long. I kept trying to get out of. It was really challenging because it was so abusive and crazy and psychologically manipulative that it was really hard to break free of. And something that I really kept pretty quiet because I was so ashamed of 
the fact that I was still with him. So I was stuck in this relationship and, but I had emotionally been totally over this other guy, knew he wasn't right for me. And after several months of committing to going to UCLA, living on campus, really immersing myself in that new reality, that's when I found a D and fell in love because my heart was open. I really wasn't with the other guy at all. It was like more of a label and less of an emotional connection. And he knew that I felt that way. So I fell in love with a D. I told him right away that I had a boyfriend, but that I wasn't happy. And he was a total gentleman about it and just was like, okay, well, you know, I'm into you too, but you need to break up with your boyfriend before we move forward. And a few months later I did. And a D and I got in it fast. It was hot and heavy. It was super intense. He told me his entire history right away. He comes from a history of drug addiction. He was specifically addicted to meth and was a drug dealer here in LA like 10 years before I even met him. So I guess I met him. He was 28. I was 20. And so from 20 to about 22, 23, he was a drug dealer. And yeah, so we just got into it. He told me everything. He was like, okay, this is typically when people leave. And I was like, no, I'm not only intrigued, but the fact that you're sitting here in front of me in the top PhD program for psychology and neuroscience in the entire world, and that you have been to jail, that you have this history, and that you're sitting right here with this new fresh start and so inspired and so lit up by this path that you're on, that makes me like you even more. And he was also equally as impressed and just like, wow, okay, well, usually this is when people leave me when they hear this story. And, um, this is great. So we, you know, fairy tale beginning, everything was wonderful. Love, you know, in many ways, very like honeymoon phase, having sex all the time, super into each other. And then reality hit. And the reality is that he kind of transformed this addictive, Now, he doesn't believe in addictive personalities, and he doesn't believe in the labeling of once an addict, always an addict. So I just want to preface that addictive tendencies is not the same as like once an addict, always an addict, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the patterning and a lot of the behaviors and habits of him being a drug dealer and a drug um, user, a lot of those similar habits, even though it wasn't drugs, but the way he treated people, the way he had secrets and little things he did surrounding that, little rituals surrounding that drug or whatever, they got transformed into what some people consider sex addiction. And basically he had like secret online relationships, which were going on the entire time over the last decade when he was doing drugs and and after the fact. But he didn't really, he kind of compartmentalized and didn't realize that that was a problem because it was just like this thing that he's always done. And I remember sometimes going into his graduate housing and like seeing like those old, I don't know how old you are, but like those old, um, it was like a messenger, you know, like those like big boxed, like yeah. <laughs> awkward, like it was like a messenger online. And so I remember seeing them and seeing kind of like flirtation, but I didn't think anything of it. Like I was so innocent and so naive that I just assumed that like whatever, he was so honest with me. So why would he hide anything from me? Um, but it was like this thing where he compartmentalized and didn't even realize that it was a problem. It was just like, oh, it's just this thing I do. So he would like online, like have sex with women online and like, however you do that. And like, share inappropriate things. And I would like be in the shower and he would do it right there. So long story short, he had these 
unhealthy, you know, relationships with people and wasn't telling me about them. And I started to find all these things. He ended up cheating on me about a year and a half into our relationship with a girl from UCLA who was really intense and really, you know, I don't blame it on her, but when he tells me the story, she was well aware that he had a girlfriend and didn't care and just kept pursuing, kept pursuing. And they would just hang out. They would like, they met at the gym, then they would go play tennis together. They would go to cafes, whatever, whatever. One thing led to another. Eventually they had sex. He told me the truth and I broke up with him on the spot. And at that point, we sadly went separate ways because I just felt so disgusted and so hurt and betrayed and like I couldn't trust him. And then about 10 months later, he fought to get me back. He was doing a lot of work on himself. I said, I was like 22 years old and I had the wherewithal to know, okay, but if we're going to get back together, we have to go to therapy. Like we need serious help. We are fucked. And it honestly, I don't, I take responsibility too, because there's something about me that attracts people like that. And there's something about me and my programming. And I really do think that we're all here to learn the most that we possibly can from each other. And, you know, so your best friends are placed here so that they can teach you the very most about whatever it is that they're here to teach you. And so for your lifelong partner, your soulmate, same thing. And I do think he was placed in my life for a reason. So we dug in and, you know, I feel like I'm rambling, but I'm trying to tell the whole story as quickly as I can. Basically, we, from the beginning, had a lot of work to do and work cut out for us, but we're willing to work and we're willing to work through anything. And as scary as those moments were, I feel that I really stood up for myself to the best of my ability and really said like, no, this is not acceptable behavior and we need to get help. And instead of being like, you need to get help, you're a monster. It was like, I'm in this too. And once, once I took responsibility of myself and the fact that I wanted to be in this relationship and I wanted to work hard and have a beautiful relationship with this man that I fell in love with. That was when everything shifted. When I kept it on him as if it was his problem and he needed to go get help because he was damaged goods, that didn't work for us. And we, we had a lot of bumps along the way because of that. Once I stepped in and said, let's do this work together, everything shifted. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, before I started doing this, when I first got sober, I was working with a group of basically clinicians who were acting as consultants, but they really believed in like a family model to healing addiction because they were like, you can't just identify the quote unquote sick person and say like, it's your fault. You go get better. You get all the help. And we're just going to sit here and keep doing everything that we're doing because it's like a, like a systemic thing. And so you can't just like take the one piece out and then put it back in the broken thing and expect it to flourish. So a hundred percent. It's super interesting. There's so much there that I want to unpack with you. But I think just the general question is like, how did how did you forgive? Because now this is however many years later, you guys work together, you have a beautiful family, you're both so open and vulnerable and helping so many people who are going through this stuff. And I think it's so important that like, for some reason, we get stuck in this black and white, like relationships are black and white, and it's right or wrong. And there's no like gray area. And I love that you guys kind of illuminate that gray area mm-hmm. and show how to work through it. So I'm just curious, like how initially you you kind of got through it and, and you forgave and then you were able to move on? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a beautiful question. And something that I get asked is probably the number one question. Um, there's two questions I'm always asked. And this is one of them. How do you forgive again? And 
I think it really has to do with eliminating the right and the wrong and the black and the white. It has to actually just go out the door because once there's a right and a wrong, then just it just doesn't work. And at every level of our healing, that's where I had to step into. And there's a lot of ego in that black and white thinking of being right. Um, and the question is, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And I want to be happy. I want to be happy in my relationship with my husband. I want to be happy in life as a mother, as an entrepreneur. I want to be happy. So sometimes I'm not going to be quote right and that's okay. So that ability to lean in when there's conflict is one of the biggest things. But when it comes specifically to healing from a trauma, so for what I went through to several times, I kind of fast forwarded the story, but I kept finding new layers of online world of cheating, of text messages that were inappropriate. Like at I'd say a year and a half time period, I kept finding these snippets of things and I would think that I found everything and then something else would emerge. So that's a trauma. Like when something is continuously, the rug was pulled out from underneath me so many times that the sky wasn't even blue anymore. Like my state of reality was so flipped and my perspective was so fucked up that I didn't trust anything anymore. So Adi and I had to start from square one. We had to go backwards in time and we had to start in a way that we actually didn't start in the beginning. You know, when you're trying to court someone and impress them, there are parts of yourself that you hide and that's a problem. And if we could all just be more transparent, radically transparent is really our thing with Ignited, our podcast, the way we help people heal from whether it's addictions or cheating or anything in between is about radical transparency. And if we can't fully own and step into these things that we don't really want to look at and we want to avoid, then we're always going to have them and they're always going to be kind of hidden like mines, like landmines all over the place. And then, oh, don't step over there. We don't want to talk about that. And don't step over there. Don't say that one word or she's going to be triggered. Like that's not a way that I want to live my life. And so we had to really, there's a lot, you know, in this question, how do you trust again? But a lot of it is doing the work, both people in the coupleship being like, I am willing and ready to work and then rolling their sleeves up. Cause anyone can say they're willing to work. Anyone can say I'll do X, Y, and Z, but what about the action? So rolling up your sleeves, both people getting to work, me doing my own therapy, a D doing his, and then us coming together as a couple and then doing work on the side for ourselves in whatever resonates, whether it's workshops or whatever. There's, it, there's all kinds of things that fall under that umbrella of healing. And for us, it's a never ending uphill battle, but at the same time, now it's a pleasure because we can trust it. Like I trust now that if we lean into the work and we confront the things that are hard, that on the other side, we're going to be closer and more intimate for it and better people. Like I'm a better person when I face that stuff than when I hide from it. And as a couple, it just makes you stronger. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. It was messy. I was mad. A lot of the time I felt betrayed. I felt like, again, I didn't know the sky was blue anymore. I didn't know anything. I felt so ungrounded and unsettled. So we had to start at a place where, you know, a lot of boundaries were set up to make me feel safe. And I think that in anything, no matter what, like the quote addiction is, whatever the thing is that you're kind of acting out of integrity, 
you need to make the other person in a relationship feel safe. So to me, I had to, we had to create these boundaries to make me feel safe. Like he wasn't allowed to talk to women for a really long time. He wasn't allowed to have friends that were women. He wasn't allowed to text with women without, and still to this day, it's interesting. Um, like 13 years later, I would say after we got back together that, that time, he still will always loop me in on a text message when he's communicating with a woman. And we are on such a different wavelength than we ever were before. Like from where we were to where we are now is like unfathomable almost, but he will still, if he's even like texting a girl that we just met or, or someone that we've known for a really long time, he'll be like, Hey, what color hat were you wearing? And like, he'll loop me in on the text because (laughs) it's like, and I kind of laugh and I want to be like, you don't have to loop me in on that. But at the same time, it's like, it's respect. And that one thing wasn't taken off the table. All the other things kind of have been taken off because we've slowly built trust over time, but like little boundaries like that, I've never actually said, you know, you don't actually have to loop me in on those checks and like asking what color her hat was, but it's okay because it makes me feel safe and it makes me giggle. And, you know, I know that I, there is, there are no secrets. And because we live this life now of radical transparency and leaning into everything, there's nowhere to hide. Like he couldn't go anywhere now if he tried, you know, and, and same for me and same for me because we live this life of really being radically transparent in all moments. So after having gone through all of that and having three kids together and working together and having this life that you guys have built, how do you keep the relationship fresh and how do you like maintain a lot of people asked how you maintain, but I want to hear like how you keep it fresh and passionate and not fall into that lull that you can fall into. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say like, I'm, I'm a Taurus and he's a Virgo. We're both earth signs. So we're, we get pretty, I wouldn't say like boring, but we love stability and we love routine. So for both of us, we have to keep it spicy. We have to keep it exciting. We have to, because our natural thing is like, we are homebodies. We do like to kind of do our own thing and we're content just being still now I'm not going to say we don't love excitement and adventures, but like our normal state is like, eh, we're fine. We don't need to go out tonight. So we really challenge ourselves to anything from going to different restaurants. Like you get into that normal routine of like, oh, we love this one restaurant or that one chef or that one place for takeout or get out of that, especially because you, even just in terms of staying young and vibrant, those neurotransmitters, like the way that our brain works and the plasticity, like we want new experiences and we need it to stay young and supple. So even just from like a a brain way of like staying healthy and young, you always want new experiences. You always want to be changed. And then for me in a spiritual realm, like I want to always be trying new things and challenging my growth edges. And that could be on on a yoga mat in a yoga class. It can be, you know, going into sticky places within my own self, with my family, with my friends, like facing things that, but all of it comes back to the relationship. So, you know, trying new things in the bedroom when it starts to get boring, going to new places for date night, hanging out with new groups of friends. We all like newness. So keeping it fresh in everything from like texting each other, flirting with each other. Um, you know, we work in the same house, so he's like downstairs in his office, but even me sending him like a cute picture from upstairs just makes his day. And it can be so simple and sounds cheesy, but it honestly, if I get like a sexy text or like him even saying something sweet, like I'm just thinking of you. I love you. Even if I know it's in his calendar to like remind Sophie that I love her, (laughs) it's still 
turns me on, gets me excited, spices things up, leads to other things down the road. So yeah, I would say like we work really hard and just from the small things to the big things, keeping it spicy and exciting. It's like dating, like it, keep it dating when you're married. <laughs> it has to be or else it is going to get stagnant and stale. Yeah, no, it's so easy to fall into like just habits and routine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about wellness. And I'm curious, like for you, what are the pillars of wellness or like what are the main components for you? I mean, I'd say spirit, the body. So this vessel that we're in and then the the spirit inside or the soul inside um, and the mind. I'd say those three things are like pillars. So mind or the psyche, um, spirit and soul, and then the physical body. So what do you do like on a daily basis to support those things? And what do you, and how do you like take care of all of it in general? So I think because I've been in the wellness field for so long now, I've been in the wellness world since I was 20. Um, so we're going on 16 years for that as well. And I worked at a, a Hollywood juice bar in my early 20s and I managed it. It was called Real Raw Live. And it was one of the first juice bars. They were the first ones to do cleanses. Like It was very trendy. Tons of A-list celebrities in and out every single day. And it was right down the street from my parents' house in Los Feliz, like Hollywood area. And I was there absorbing energy all the time, talking to people all the time, the locals from the neighborhood, the celebrities, everyone, and making them juices, making them smoothies, making them food, and learning so much about superfoods, about raw foods, about health foods, and the community at large. So all of it. They were all really conscious. A lot of them did kundalini. A lot of them, it was Hollywood. So it was very like gritty, but beautiful, deep artists and I just learned so much during that time. And I think because I was so immersed in it, I became a personal trainer at Equinox. I was, I got yoga certified, did my 200 hours, eventually led to 600 hours of yoga teacher training. I traveled to do trainings. I was just like spiritually, physically, emotionally so deep inside of it for so many years that um, I have a superfood company I developed after that time called Philosophy. But now it doesn't take a lot to like, click me in, um, because it is just a part of my everyday life. Like it would be weird if I didn't check in with myself on a given day. So for me, it's like, it's not about the time spent doing it because I remember really quickly the the version of my best self that I want to be and who I really am, but it's just little things that are personal and they change day to day. So I would say every day I move my body, even if it's just walking with the kids around the neighborhood, um, going for like a little hike, like doing a hit workout, doing yoga, dancing around my room, dancing with the kids, like moving my body is really important every single day, even if it's for 10 to 20 minutes, but I'm active all day. So it's not like I work out, oh, I did my workout and that's it. I'm just an active person. I like to feel alive. I'll like pop up into a headstand in the middle of the day. I'll like play around, like do jump roping with the kids randomly. Like it's important for me to constantly be checking in with these things instead of like, okay, I need to do a two hour workout, which when I was first getting into all of this wellness stuff, that is what I needed. I needed to be extreme because I really wanted to saturate my being with whatever it was, whether it be food or something trendy or whatever a workout. I I was extreme in my early twenties. And I think a lot of us are extreme because we're learning and absorbing and feeling it 
truly. And now it just doesn't take as long. I can put on two songs, dance around and immediately click into my best self. Um, and then same thing goes for food. I really try to eat clean, but not in an extreme way. I don't extreme doesn't work well for me anymore. It's just like not a good look. <laughs> so I try and be as balanced as possible and still let myself indulge and, you know, I don't count calories. I don't believe in any of that. I think that it serves a place in terms of building that intuitive body and that tool within you that can tell you when you've had enough and not. But unless you're using it as a tool to learn more and and collect data about yourself, I don't think that there's a place for that anymore in my life anyway. It's not necessary, but it's great as a check-in. And I think really just like, so that's body is just like moving my body every single day, getting really beautiful, nourishing foods all day long while still having fun and enjoying it and tons of clean water and then moderation of all the things. And that keeps me in check, allows me to eat really intuitively and not fall into those scary places of extremes where it's like, oh, I need to not, I need to go on a cleanse for two weeks or I can only have, you know vegan food for this. Like I, I don't ever want to go into those places again, because it's just like, that's a place of scarcity mindset and like almost like a punishment. And again, I spent so much time doing that, like going to two Bikram yoga classes in a row because I was bad the day before and ate badly. Like I don't ever want to be in that place again. So for me, it's like really loving myself in all ways. And then, so that's physical when it comes to spiritual or soulful practices, Um, I meditate when it feels good. I don't force it when it doesn't feel good. Usually I like to lay down for a meditation. That's what works for me. Um, I have so much going on in my life that just laying down and taking 10 minutes feels so nice. You know, nature is soulful and spiritual for me. So getting out in nature and putting my phone away is just so grounding. And just checking in, really staying grateful, reminding myself what I'm grateful for, really simple practices like that. And I think my relationships in my life really have a lot to do with my well-being and my mental health. So, you know, we think of mental health in certain ways, but keeping my psyche healthy really has to do with the relationships in it. I'm such a relationships driven person. And, you know, if there's something that needs to be said, if there's a confrontation, like it can just ruin my day. If it's something that like is happening at six o'clock that day, like I'll let it just consume me. And I really, you know, so I just work really hard to keep my relationships clean, keep my side of the street clean so that, you know, it, it just fuels me instead of depletes me. Um, so that's physical body, spiritual and mental well-being. Yeah. I was thinking about something when you were talking about how you used to be very extreme and, I think like in the space that we're in, people kind of tend to live in those extreme places and like mm-hmm. the trendy places. And I was listening to, um, you know, Glennon Doyle. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast with her today and she was talking about like her eating disorder when she was younger and how it's still like she's recovered, but it will still kind of like cause certain thoughts sometimes. And she was like, if you're trying to control your body in whatever ways, like by restricting your your calories or doing double workouts or whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, if you're trying to control it, like if if you're trying to control something inherently, it's because you don't trust it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't trust something, you can't love it. So it was really mm-hmm. an interesting way 
to think about it because I've been there too. I've done all the calories and the macros and the extreme working out and the diets and the this and the that. Yeah. Um, it's like so freeing coming out on the other side of that and and really like trusting your body. And I think for, I just want to touch on that because I think that that can be a mind blowing statement for someone who might be listening. So I just want to, I want to just give a little space and love to whoever might be listening, who is in a place of struggle, because we now are on the other side, but we both lived through it in our own ways. And we're here for support. So know you can reach out to me at any time if you need a little bit of help. Um, I have a PDF on my website all about intuitive eating. It's very simple. I, I teach a Sunday intuitive movement class every Sunday, and it's virtual. And like, the whole thing is about making it more easeful and self-loving instead of the opposite. So simplifying instead of making things so extreme and so like, if I don't do this, then I'm this and the negative thoughts. And so it's really about, it all starts with your mind and just telling yourself positive thoughts or even neutral. Like a lot of what I've been enjoying lately from people, I mean, I'm in a place where I need to tell myself good things all the time, not just neutral. But if you're in a place where you're struggling, just start with a neutral thought. Like when you wake up in the morning, instead of self-deprecating thoughts, I have a body. I have a body. Mm-hmm. Period. And just looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, I have a body. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be bad. And eventually after just becoming neutral to your body, then you can start to take some steps in, in saying positive, loving things to yourself because that's where it all starts. If you love yourself, everybody else will too. It's just a fact. Look at the most confident women in the world. They are also the most beautiful. It just comes really? together and it is more simple and there are some steps you can take, but also just know that the, the truth is within and that trust is within and you have to make mistakes to build that trust. That's a fact. Whether you're trusting your husband again after cheating, you're trusting a drug addict again after using, or you're trusting yourself after binge eating one too many times, no matter what it is, the trust has to come from within, from making mistakes, leaning in, trying again and again to do things differently and find a more positive um, habit surrounding it to replace the negative with the positive. Yeah, it's so true and it's so powerful. and you know, you, you don't love your body once you shape it into a certain mold. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't happen. First of all, the goalpost is going to keep moving, but that's not how you come to love your body. And I, I'm sure you get these kind of messages all the time too, but like so many people want to know like, well, how did you slim down? How did you tone your legs? And how did you do this? And I'm just, I'm unhappy because my body looks this way. And, and if I don't look good, I don't feel good. And I do get that to a certain extent, but like that's not where you're going to cultivate love for yourself and how you, and how you look like it just doesn't happen. Well, and if you really want to know a secret, the moment you decide that you're beautiful and that you're confident and you do that inner work that start with the neutral and then go from there, the minute you start doing that work, you will become more beautiful. Your body will slim down because those heavy thoughts, those negative thoughts absolutely lead to a heavier body. When I was my like heaviest, it wasn't even after babies, but I think it was before babies, but I have times in my life when I was like, just not in a good place. And my best friend died when she was 21 and I was 21 too. And 
I was the heaviest because I was, I was like treating myself badly with the way I like the habits and what I was eating, but really it wasn't about that. It was about my thoughts. I hated myself. I hated life. I was depressed. I was heavy. So my body became heavy when I am light and I imagine myself light and I see myself as light and I manifest that energy. That is what other people see me as. So just know that our energy is so strong and our thoughts can create what other people see in us and we will become that. So if you feel heavy, go to your thoughts and start to build some awareness about your thoughts and start to transform them slowly into neutral and then to more positive. And all of a sudden you will wake up one day and not change a single thing about the way you eat or work out and you will be lighter physically. It it really does happen. I had a positive psychologist on my show a few weeks ago, and Mm -hmm. actually it was this week, but by the time this comes out, it'll be a few weeks ago. But we were talking about, she was talking about how powerful our thoughts are and how our thoughts create our reality. And we were talking about like confirmation bias. And it's like literally science that what you think is how you're going to interpret the world. Because if you think that you're a piece of shit and you're ugly and whatever, you're going to interpret everything around you as evidence to support that theory. Yep. yep. Whereas conversely, on the flip side, if you think I'm beautiful or you tell yourself a neutral or a positive thought or whatever it is, then you're going to start seeing evidence to confirm that without even, I mean, it's subconscious. It's crazy. I would love just to encourage whoever's listening. If you are struggling, pay attention to the way you speak to yourself. Keep a little journal and just pay attention And also the way you carry your body, the energy that you take up in space. When you're walking around, just notice, do you walk around people? Do you walk, like when you're walking down the street, do you kind of avoid people or do you own the space as you walk down the street? When you talk to someone, do you take your shoulders and kind of roll them forward and down? Or do you stand straight up confidently, shoulders up and back? Like those simple things, the way we carry ourselves, the thoughts that we say can completely transform, completely transform good or bad, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in the beginning that you are an optimistic person. Were you always optimistic or was it something that you kind of learned how to steer your thoughts towards? I, as far as I can remember, was always very optimistic and very happy and very positive. I think it was a result of my parents divorcing and that desire for things to just be okay. And so I just made them okay. I think I was like that before, but I think it increased as a result of that experience and just wanting to feel safe and happy and having to find that feeling of happiness and groundedness within myself and that feeling of home within myself because I moved around so much when I was young after they divorced. I moved to different schools. I moved to different homes, different cities, different states. And so during that time, I had to figure it out. Like there was no option. And what I figured out was as long as I feel good within myself, everything else is okay. And maybe I wasn't super conscious about it then, but it did click for me at a very early age. Interesting. Optimism, being optimistic has really good health implications. So you're Mm going to probably live a really long, healthy life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we had a lot of Instagram questions. We won't get to them all, but I'm going to pick and choose a few here. A lot of people wanted to know if Philosophy is coming out with any new products soon. Yes. Ooh, I love this question. We are. Should I leak it here? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. So, well, they're not even out yet, but we will, oh, okay. it will be first said here. Um, okay. So we have a really fun, it's called hydrating dream and it's something, it's a single serving, which I've been wanting to make forever. I actually formulated this years ago and just didn't have the ability to make it at the time. Um, and now we do. So we've got it all done. They're actually, I have some sitting here, but I, it's just like, cause of quarantine, I haven't been able to release it yet. The timing wasn't right. So it's called hydrating dream. It's a single serve with green dream and coconut water powder. So it's dehydrated organic coconut water powder mixed with our green dream powder in a single serve packet. So you can just open it up. It's the cutest packaging and just put it right into your water bottle. And that way, no matter where you are, wherever you're traveling, you don't have like the bigger bags of the protein powder. It's just a really easy throw it in your gym bag. It's great pre-workout because of the green energy that's got good post workout because of the hydrating benefits and even during your workout because of the coconut water and all the hydration. And then post-workout again, really great because of the green dream and all the protein that's in it. So it is just like a dream literally of like something I've been working on and loving and wanting to launch, but I just had to wait for the right timing. So it's all done. We're just waiting on the COVID stuff to lift so that we can have a proper launch and really give it like the welcoming that it deserves. So that's coming out. I'm so excited for that. And um, I can't wait for everyone to just fall in love. It's great for travel. It's great on an airplane, um, super hydrating. So yay. That sounds amazing. Like I want it right now. (laughs) It's so good. Sounds so good. Okay. Um, How do you balance creating amazing content, can't talk, and sharing your life with being present with your family? So a lot of the content that I create I do when I'm on my own. So I'm not creating content when the kids are running around. It's honestly really challenging to do that. And I think when the kids were little, so I have a seven and nine-year-old boys and then uh, almost two-year-old Noah, who she is so busy, but she will be two in June. And I realized when they were young that I couldn't do that split thing. And it's just too hard. And I love to be present with them when I can be present. So I am try and be fully present when I'm with them and then really take that time when we're not, when they're sleeping or if I go somewhere to work or if I'm here working and they're with a nanny or my husband, I then can sit and create content. Or maybe when I'm on a walk, I'll, you know, if I get an idea, I'll jot it down really quick in the notes of my phone or I'll do it into the voice memo section and then have it for later. So I have a bunch of content that I kind of pull from um, things that you guys, like my followers want. I can pull from all of that whenever I'm by myself, but I really have to keep them separate. I luckily they make their way into some of the content I create, but in terms of the creative part, um, I have to do that when I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. How are you leveling up and aligning yourself for manifestation in this uncertain time? That's a great question. I mean, I think that I've been having a little bit of resistance against everyone saying it's like Groundhog's Day, because to me, I don't think it is. Like, I think Like I tell my kids, if you're bored, you're boring. The same Mm -hmm. thing goes for this. If you feel like this is Groundhog's Day, that's on you. We have an ability to access unlimited growth just virtually. Never mind all the things within yourself that you could challenge yourself to do and all the self, you know, improvement that you could be doing. I'm teaching myself tarot card. I just signed up for a course that's literally been on my list of things I wanted to do for two years. And I finally pressed 
purchase. So I'm doing a tarot card reading course so that I can really like get past this first level that I'm at. I'm reading about tarot cards all the time now. I'm so that's like one level of just spiritual fun for me that I'm taking the time to do. And then we're leveling up everything. So I'm taking this time to level up my superfood company philosophy. We're having meetings. We're going through cost analysis, like all the things that we always said we didn't have time to do. We're making time to do now. So really just looking at what is here and what could be improved. My husband's getting, he's looking into investors for our Ignited podcast and for his Ignited platform where he helps people get through recovery and trauma and gives them hope. He's so inspiring. He's done TED Talks and he really deserves to be successful. And he's always been successful, but in terms of finances, it's always been a struggling and a pain point for him. So I'm so excited. He has found some really interested people during this time. And I think all of it is about leveling up. It's about facing and looking at those things that you've shoved under the rug. Like I said earlier, those, those landmines, like where are they? Where did you hide them? Like those sticky corners, the things you shoved in the back of your closet, the things under the rug, the things under your bed, like spring cleaning vibes and cleansing and getting rid of what doesn't serve you from relationships to things in your business. You know, I think all of it can be looked at as a leveling up. And to me, although I'm excited for when this ends, I'm almost like, oh my God, I feel like it's going to end soon. And I haven't done all the things I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to really stay positive and optimistic and keep expanding and growing and leveling up in all ways, always. Amazing. Well, that is definitely an inspiring note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> So where can everybody find you? And of course, I'm going to put everything in show notes, but you can. Perfect. Yeah. So on Instagram, I have two Instagrams, one for philosophy. It's philosophy love, but spelled with my name, Sophie. So philosophy and then love is the philosophy superfoods account. Um, And then my personal Instagram is sophie.jaffe. Um, And I post all things motherhood, balance, um, relationships, pretty much anything and everything that we've talked about here, you'll find over there. Um, And I'm very communicative. I answer all my own DMs. And, you know, the community is everything to me. I built it from nothing. And I just hope that you'll give a follow and and connect. And that's what it's about. Instagram is all about community. So come say hi. And then my website is thephilosophy.com. And I have a blog and videos on there and recipes and wellness. Um, and our podcast is called Ignited and that's spelled I-G-N-T-D. And you can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. Amazing. You're like the wellness OG. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's been a while. I've been in this a while. Yes. I love it. Well, thank you so much. My complete pleasure. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. 